The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 17. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. And welcome back to this uh, Tuesday edition of the 6.30 Shed Afternoon News uh, Federal Budget Day. Now, Finance Minister Bill Morneau had said prior to tabling this budget that science, gender equality, and preparing Canadians for the jobs of the future would be the key themes in today's federal budget. Uh, over onto our texting line, many of you reacting to what you've already heard. This text, uh, this Liberal government is more concerned with political correctness than it is with actually making policies that make a difference. So now gender equality means more support for women. If I've ever heard of an oxymoron, that is it. Isn't giving one group an advantage over another discrimination. And this text, uh, passive income. So if you own rental properties, is that is that not passive income when you buy another house? In other words, according to to this government, you are not allowed to be prosperous in Canada. And uh, this text, you mean that all the investments we are losing to the states doesn't warrant any kind of reaction from the government. This minister is a fool. And uh, finally, this one. Hi, Andrew. Seems to me uh, they are getting the extra money from us smokers. Did I hear that right? A dollar every year for five years. Time to quit, maybe, for me. All right. So we're joined now on the line by Dr. Trevor Toome. He is an assistant professor of economics at the University of Calgary and research fellow at the School of Public Policies. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for agreeing to this because you and I are in a very similar position right now in that our speed reading skills have been tested in the last eight minutes or so because neither of us can see the budget until it's dropped. That's so, right, and it's 369 pages long. Yeah, exactly right. So I thought I'd start perhaps with something. Uh, I thought uh, our conversation could be the impact specifically on Alberta. Uh, over the last uh, 48 hours, I know the Premier had uh, wanted Ottawa to address the gaps in services provided to Indigenous people uh, who live in reserves in our province and others. Uh, did this budget do that? So there was actually increases in spending for the Indigenous uh, Canadian file here uh, by quite a bit. So how much of that, though, goes to Alberta or First Nations here in Alberta is uh, an interesting question. I'm not exactly sure. But for perspective, I guess the government is planning to increase spending for Indigenous services in Canada by a little over $1 billion in hmm. 2018 and 19, and then another additional billion dollars uh, the following year. And over the next five years, they've planned spending increases of slightly more than $4 billion. And a lot of that is focused on initiatives around uh, Indigenous health uh, and uh, children's services in those communities. Are you... Uh, concern's the wrong word. Are you? Were you curious to see that as a single um, wish list item for the Premier of Alberta, would you have expected the Premier or the Finance Minister to address concerns with regard to, say, oil and gas, for example? So I'm not quite sure there's actually a lot that the federal government can do in uh, a budget to really turn things around for the oil and gas sector. I mean, the big challenge here is, of course, the price of oil. That's, that's one. And then access to markets abroad. It's really not quite a uh, a budget issue. I think the federal government has a, a big role to play in ensuring that pipeline infrastructure is um, planned properly and built uh, on schedule. And they have a challenge there with the Trans Mountain Pipeline. But 
you know, in a budget like this, there's really not going to be a lot um, announced on that front. Exactly. And, and you took me right to where I wanted to go, because this is not a uh, speech to the throne. It's not a plan. They're not laying out a plan, per se, for this government's term. They're laying out a specific uh, bunch of uh, policies, financial policies, for the next budget year. And this is a budget year that falls between two really important budgets, doesn't it? Yeah, and so next year's budget will be the last one that the federal government has before it goes to the polls. I mean, uh, they can call it kind of whenever they want, but it's supposed to be in fall of 2019. So next year, I think we can anticipate a little bit you know, bigger moves in areas to help frame the debate for the federal election. Uh, now, I will note that one interesting thing here that's going to have electoral consequences in a lot of provinces is the moves of the federal government to tax carbon emissions. Mm. Um, we see in Saskatchewan and soon uh, potentially in Ontario that the federal government will be moving in to put a price on carbon, to implement a carbon tax in provinces that don't have one. They announced in the budget today that they won't do that this year. They will start the federal carbon tax only in January 1st of 2019, so a little bit later than I think a lot of people anticipated. Well, you know, uh, explain that to me a little bit, because did Alberta not institute a carbon tax to avoid having to be forced into a federal carbon tax? Well, Alberta's had a carbon tax for about 10 years now. So the prior Conservative government brought in the first carbon tax, and the current UCP in Alberta also supports that carbon tax. So there's been a broad agreement in Alberta on both sides of the aisle that carbon pricing and carbon taxes are an important tool for policymakers, but it was previously just applied to large emitters. Hmm. So... Uh, typical households didn't pay it when they filled up their gas tank or heated their homes, for example. So that's the change in Alberta. And I think Alberta bringing in the carbon tax, or sorry, broadening the base of the existing carbon tax was done before the federal government announced that they would plan to implement a carbon price in regions that didn't have it. So Alberta moved first, um, not after as a way to avoid a federal carbon tax. Whereas Manitoba, moved after. They're going to be bringing in a carbon tax this April of $25, and that's to try and prevent the federal government from bringing in a, a carbon tax there that would eventually escalate to $50. Interesting. I'm talking to uh, Dr. Trevor Toome, an assistant uh, professor of economics at the U of C down in Calgary. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because I know this is something that you've written about. Uh, when it comes to balancing the budget, and do you will recall, of course, that uh, during the 2015 uh, campaign, the Liberals promised to balance the budget by, I believe, next year. And that kind of went by the wayside and then was replaced by really no mention of it at all in this budget. But I wanted to ask you, does the federal government have a revenue problem or a spending problem? So it, 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 may, it depends on what you mean by problem, let's put it that way. If you want to shrink a deficit, you can either increase revenues, lower spending, or some combination of the two. And reasonable people will disagree over which of those policy levers they want to pull. Um, in terms of the federal debt level. So the, the deficits that we're seeing right now, uh, so the annual difference between spending and revenues, are somewhat modest. They're less than 1% of GDP. And so from one year to the next, the economy grows by more than 1% typically. And so that means the overall burden of the federal debt will be falling over time. So this year, the debt to GDP ratio is about 30%. And by 2022, it's projected to now be about 28.5%. So the, the burden of debt is not rising in time. And 
so the level of borrowing that we see is strictly speaking sustainable in terms of you know a financial market sense although people can still disagree over whether or not it's advisable yeah that's an interesting perspective because that is what the federal government moved to after making a bold promise to keep the debt at a certain level do you think and I'm just curious of your your perspective on this do you think the federal government, uh, the Liberals, made a mistake by putting a number on it, by putting $10 billion as a number, because it's pretty easy to compare. You're either lower than that or higher than that. Yeah, I guess personally speaking, I, I like when they campaign on specific things so that people can vote accordingly. I think it's unfortunate that they didn't stick to uh, a very specific commitment that they made. And there was not a lot of underlying economic reasons why they couldn't have stuck to it. Canada's economy as a whole, despite Alberta having gone through a recession, um, was fairly strong through this period. And nationally, there was no recession. And so while growth slowed down and some deficit, I think, would have occurred whether or not it was the Liberals or the Conservatives, uh, the, the scale of the deficit that we see is, is not really attributable to the economy. So the deficit that we see federally is a choice. It's a choice that they made, um, and that's interesting in that they deliberately um, chose to have a higher deficit than what they committed to, rather than just being forced into a higher deficit due to economic concerns. Mm -hmm. And when it comes specifically to Alberta, one of the uh, areas of concern as well was legalization of marijuana coming up in July, no longer July 1st, uh, possibly maybe sometime in July, maybe the summer. Uh, <laughs> I know that our province and other provinces have had concern about the cost of administering legal marijuana. Was there any reference to that in this budget? So the provinces and the feds had previously agreed to how the, the revenue is going to be split from the tax on marijuana. And I think uh, now, after that concern that the provinces initially raised, that people are um, fairly confident the split might work out. And, and it may not, but I think everyone's kind of in agreement on what that split is. And only time will tell if the cost of administering or cost of treatment, things like that, enforcement, um, are too high or too low, and then that split can be changed in the future. So there wasn't a lot of big moves there on that front since they had previously agreed on what that was going to be. Yeah, I, I find it uh, a curious conversation, and again, very interested in your opinion on this, your perspective, when it comes to legalized marijuana, because many of us who have uh, really no interest in marijuana uh, were sold on the idea of legalized marijuana for the tax benefit that this would possibly be a method by which to pay off these deficits both for the province and the federal government but then as we get closer to the date of legalization what we're being told that the two levels of government is that no no, no this money will be pushed back into um, other areas treatment education uh, and so on that maybe there isn't that tax benefit that we were all promised what, what's your opinion on that well I, I guess I see it two ways, and that there will be some pretty significant revenue from cannabis sales in Canada across the country, uh, but it was a policy choice to direct that revenue towards things like treatment, and there will be a substantial amount of treatment. I think in this budget, if I'm not misunderstanding it, and <laughs> it may very well be given the limited amount of time, exactly. it looks like they're uh, committed to approximately $550 million over the next five years for this kind of new um, treatment uh, and enforcement and regulatory uh, things. And I think what that might end up doing is improving outcomes for people with drug addictions, for example. Maybe it is the case that we could have been spending more before, and now a new revenue source uh, provides the scope for governments to do that. 
um, as opposed to taking the revenue and just using it to shrink deficits. So the pros and cons of that is, I think, something that uh, experts wiser than I can weigh into. (laughs) It's an interesting distinction that you made, though, that it's a policy decision, because that revenue will be there uh, once uh, marijuana is legalized, and it will remain there as long as marijuana remains legal, which you you would assume is... Uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. So a different government could have a different outlook on what that revenue should be used for. That's right. Or or the split. Um, yeah. And so that split between the feds and the provinces, it's still kind of unknown how how high sales will be. So they, they try to estimate it, but because it's an illicit product at the moment, it's tough to really have a, a good handle on what sales will be. But the feds are capping the amount of revenue that they're going to take at $100 million. Um, up to that point, it's going to be a 75-25 split. So the provinces are getting most of the revenue from the $1 per gram uh, tax. And then if sales are actually high, then the provinces could get a lot more than uh, they're anticipating. Uh, because of that cap, absolutely. Uh, was there any mention of infrastructure, any of the uh, infrastructure projects, uh, monies that were promised to Alberta? That's, that's, that's always a big area of spending for the federal government. And some new spending that's kind of relevant for Alberta is part of the climate-related uh, spending. So as part of a way to get provinces to agree to the federal, what they're calling the Pan-Canadian Framework, is to have a, a $1.4 billion fund to help finance um, some infrastructure projects uh, or energy efficiency improvements and things like that. So Alberta's share of that is going to be $150 million. Mm. Uh, so overall, uh, before I let you go, uh, Dr. Toom, would you suggest this was a good budget for Alberta or a bad budget? Well, I'd say that Albertans ought to keep focused on the provincial budget that'll be coming down in a couple weeks. That one is going to be very substantive. And in terms of the, the pros and cons of the various initiatives here federally, I'd say that that depends on where you come down on the different initiatives. Big increase in foreign affairs spending, for example, so foreign aid through Global Affairs Canada is going up a lot, and Albertans might have perspective on that, the Indigenous spending, there's many First Nations communities here, but um, it's a budget for for Canada as a whole rather than Alberta. Yeah, it's interesting. I was trying to find the right words to describe this budget, and I know that uh, the government had said that it would address uh, gender inequalities and uh, those sort of things, social issues, but I wonder if social budget, is that a good way to describe it? Because there's, or am I just missing, it seems like there's not a lot of meat on the bones for this one. It's just kind of a fine-tuning of a previous budget. Well, so there's not a lot of big macro-level changes, you know, tax policies or fundamental shifts in fiscal policy generally, but there are a lot of increases in spending in targeted areas, and I think you're right. These are areas that are focused on uh, social outcomes. Um, It's not just the Indigenous uh, Canadian spending, but it's also Uh, As you mentioned, gender equity, there's a big increase in spending here for changing the way parental leave works, Mm. for example, to make it um, uh, more generous for men to take uh, parental leave, for example. Uh, And the increase in foreign aid is also targeted at what they're calling uh, feminist international assistance policies. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Oh, I was hoping you did. Not quite yet, yeah. uh, but we can infer that it is not just going to be generic foreign aid, but targeted at issues related to, um, uh, I guess, women and girls. 
Good stuff, uh, Dr. Trevor Toome. I couldn't have thought of a better guest to kick this off with. And once again, and both of us at the disadvantage of having a huge document in front of us and trying to pick the meat off the bones. You did a wonderful job of it. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again sometime. Take care. All right, welcome back to the 6.30 Ched Afternoon News. We'll take a break in just a moment to give you the highlights once again of this federal budget and other news headlines. And then after uh, 3 o'clock, I'll be joined by uh, David Elric, a partner at BDO Canada, to specifically talk about tax changes, how they'll affect small business and uh, uh, personal income tax. Did want to uh, give a little more detail on this before I go to break, though, on childcare. So as a result of this budget, new parents will be able to share at least five additional weeks of leave following the birth of a child provided they also share the job of caring for that child. So measures proposed in today's budget provide new parents with a total of five weeks if they've adopted, if they've opted for the traditional 12-month parental leave or eight weeks under the new 18-month option that was introduced by the government late last year. Now that option isn't expected to come into effect until June of 2019. And that change is one of several, uh, several changes the Liberals plan to make to the social safety safety net as they continue uh, to curry political favor with middle-class families trying to foot the bill for raising children. Now, the budget also didn't add any money to the $7.5 billion uh, 10-year child care windfall they outlined last year, but it does allow new parents and those on sick leave to work while collecting employment insurance benefits. Now, Liberals are also spending $1 billion to enrich and expand eligibility for an existing tax benefit for low-income workers and also provide extra benefits to employees who lose out on pay, vacation, and severance when an employer files for bankruptcy. So again, as we mentioned uh, while talking to Dr. Trevor Toom, this is more of a social budget, a fine-tuning budget, fixing some things, uh, plugging some holes, and addressing social issues. We'll continue to break down the uh, budget for you until 4 o'clock. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, coming up after 3, I'll have David Elric from BDO Canada. And after 3.35, for an overall reaction to the budget, a Dwayne Bratt, Mount Royal political science professor. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.